Well, we're here today with Janai Huff, who came by the Mostly Folk Studios, uh, uh, took a long trip from Saugerties, New York. And Saugerties, New York, of course, is the home of Big Pink, which is no longer Big Pink. <laughs> it might be still pink. I don't know. Hi, Janai. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you're very welcome, and uh, we're glad to have you. So let's begin the uh, interview here by talking about you and a little bit of background about yourself and where you've come from and where you hope you're going. <laughs> well, it's an ever-changing uh, landscape. Um, I was born and raised in California, and uh, music, really since the time I was born, had an impact on me. My dad was an audiophile, although not a musician. My mother and my grandmother both sang and played guitar. Um, but I remember like listening with my ear almost as close as possible to my dad's stereo when he was playing LPs, and we had a very eclectic, you know, grouping. So at 14, I thought, I'm going to be a musician. That's what I told my parents. And uh, But by 18 or 19, because I was also good in business and academia, I started to move away from that and went into business, actually, for like 20 or 30 years. I uh, did manage bands, but more or less gave up my own music until my 40s, and then started realizing I was missing that so much in my life, and, you know, midlife crisis, midlife opportunity, whatever you want to call it, it started to gnaw at me, and then by 50, my mother died, and our business that uh, I was running almost collapsed, and it was like, okay, now I'm doing it. <laughs> and headed to New York. I actually lived most of the time in New York City um, and had developed a lot of good friends who were musicians over the time and started writing and recorded my first CD at 50 and now I'm on my third one. It's an unfinished life But a fine lies before me an open-ended dream I don't want to wake Across so many rivers In search of crystal fountains Found the truest paths Always lead through mountains I've seen water on the sky And fire burning on the lake like a wounded bird you must find the strength to fly time can paint the treetops with colors of the rainbow but you cannot find the end no matter how you try And round we go, 
Involved seriously until your forties in in music. Yeah. Well, and did I, you do the the circuit? Did you go to clubs and things like that? Well, I was I was on the east coast or the west coast, and my ex husband, who I still consider family, were very very close. It was a phenomenal singer songwriter, um, Doug Inglesby, and he and I uh, would play out together, and um, our voices blended really well. You know, and he's written with Graham Nash and Kenny Loggins and, you know, when he did his first CD, you know, David Crosby was doing background vocals. So, uh, I mean, he was really good. Um, but then, I don't know, I think I wanted my own voice to come out some. And he didn't want to, he's older than me, and he didn't really want to play out. And I felt like I was just needing to pick up all those dreams I left behind. Um, so in a way, the lack of him wanting to go out probably is why I started writing my own songs. You know how you need to have a few things that may be frustrating in a moment, but then you find out a few years later that it was exactly what was needed. When I was young, the boogeymen beneath my bed had telepathic voices that came into my head. They made me scared, I filled with dread Oh, those boogeymen Beneath my bed They told me stories about peril and grief I had a few good examples Then I begged for relief I took their advice Now I'm paying the price Cause those boogeymen inside my head I did what they said and I buried my dreams I put up the walls became afraid of it all I did what they said and I buried my dreams I covered my heart I didn't want to be seen
came to New York City, you were by yourself? I was by myself, but um, for probably seven year, years or so before that, uh, my ex-husband's business was a vitamin business, which I ran and managed. And so we used to do a lot of work in New York City. And then uh, Eugene Ruffalo, who's a phenomenal singer-songwriter out of New York City, Doug contacted because he had read about him in Rolling Stone magazine, and this is probably now nine years ago, and Eugene said, well, if you're in New York, let's get together. And it was like a fast and furious friendship between us all. And uh, now I would consider him one of my closest friends. And he's somebody I play music with. And um, he's on all my CDs now, too. So, yeah. It was, yeah, I see yeah. that. And uh, I'm speaking with Jenai Huff, who has a website. And Jenai's website is... What is your website? <laughs> it's Jenny Huff Music. Jenny Huff Music. Dot com. Okay, so you need the music. Is there another Jenny Huff out there? Well, the reason I use my last name, because I probably wouldn't be so Jenny Huff, Jenny Huff, is there actually was a very successful um, country person, probably maybe 15 years ago, who went by Jenny. Huh. So interesting um, yeah. because it's such an unusual name. I don't know anybody else <laughs> na- with that name. So, what kind of a name is that anyway? Uh, it means one who loves people in Chinese, and oh. um, it's an inspired name. I was I was actually born Catherine Ann. You know, good Irish. Well, even though okay. I'm only a small amount of Irish, but good Catholic saints' names. And uh, about forty, I was watching a movie called In of the Six Happiness, and I was participating in a spiritual group, which I have for 15 or so years. And I, I watched this true story about a woman at the turn of the century who thought she wanted to be a missionary to China, and the British government said she wasn't qualified because she was a maid, but she said, well, it doesn't really matter what you say. This is what God said, and she started saving her little pences to take the train across Russia, and and began to inspire people with her conviction, you know, and and then she did get sanctioned. And then when she went there, uh, China was invaded, and she ended up saving about a hundred children. And the people there renamed her Jenny. And I remember I, you know, my sort of my other world was finance, and I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm not a name-changing person, but. <laughs> If I was going to, this is what I would change it to, because I I do love people, but more I think I was inspired by her internal conviction that she felt so resolute in that it didn't matter what other people said, and I thought I I want to be that woman. Yeah, how great! Yeah, thank a, you. That's a great name. I never knew that. That's thank really you. interesting. Well, are you ready to play a? A live song for us? <laughs> I will. I'm going to give you just a little bit of heads up. It's called Just Like Me. And um, it's off my CD, Grace and Elba Grease. 
uh, and we were originally Occupy Wall Street, but it's really about how we think we're so different from each other, and we focus on that, but then really we're not that different, and, um, and I now have a video coming out that's um, been directed by a man named Arthur Jaffa, who's a phenomenal cinematographer who who is in both LA and New York, and like he was a cameraman on Selma. He's done stuff with Spike Lee, and did a recently did a music video with Beyonce. So I'm feeling very fortunate <laughs> <laughs> that he took an interest in my music. But next, next thing you know, you'll be on page four of the Daily News. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm prepared. <laughs> but anyway, this song came from that. It was actually the first song I wrote once I started rewriting. You know, I, I wrote up until 18 or 19 and then took a, you know, 30-year hiatus. So this one's called Just Like Me. Just like you. 
Janai Huff, beautiful tune live right here in the Mostly Folk studios. You're listening to Mostly Folk. Don't forget, we're broadcasting at mostlyfolk.org, radio satellite 2 in France and the United States, if you uh, plug into that, and iTunes, Mixcloud, so many various ways that you can get Mostly Folk. Now, that song that you just sang, Janai, you had mentioned Occupy Wall Street. Uh, just tell us about Occupy Wall Street. The, that was an album as well as um, a movement. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting because there was um, a comp. I, I wrote the song having just come back from Occupy Wall Street, and I had my you know, down with Wall Street. And then I came home and I found myself behaving, unfortunately, in a similar way, much smaller than the people I was blaming and saw the, what am I afraid of? And, but really the song goes beyond that and uh, video was just um, created. It was actually shot last year and it's being uh, finished editing now by a man named Arthur Jaffa, who's a cinematographer out of LA. And uh, one of the things that I became more involved with, I live in Harlem, and um, I realized how much racism still exists. You know, and I, I never, you know, I wasn't like racist, but I, I found myself having, you know, my own, I, I was confronted with my own things that came up when I moved there, of which now, thankfully, most are, are gone. And, and I realized that mostly we just need to get to know each other you know, anybody, you know, and then we find much more commonality than we do differences. And so the video actually now um, addresses more the subtle nature of racism, not like the KKK type racism, more just that we're different and we might have different cultures, but then that's that's maybe all there is, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I did see a... A, a piece of that video you, you had sent me. It's not completely finished yet, but when will people be able to uh, see it? Yeah, well, <laughs> and where will they be able to see well, it? Well, it's an interesting thing because I'm not quite, they they're end up more in like fil- being more like films because of the nature of the, I, I'll have three actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a CD release uh, on June 27th at a place called the Cell Theater, which also has the ability to project videos and Mm. they'll be finished editing in the next three weeks and whether I release them before that I'm not sure Mm. Um, so those will be we'll call it the formal premiere of those and then I'll um, do my full CD play my full CD with a band um, following that so by June 27th they'll be out and then exactly how I communicate them whether it's through Vimeo YouTube or something I'll I'll be keeping everybody posted. Now say once again where the uh, CD release. Uh, it's it's in uh, Manhattan on West Twenty Third in the Chelsea area, okay. and it's a place called the Self Theater. Okay. Uh, it's really a lovely venue. Um, I'm sure you'll have all this information on your website prior oh, to that, right? Oh, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and uh, again, it's uh, JeniHuffMusic.com. What you, you you said that your mother and father listened to various albums. I always I'm always interested in finding out what influences you had when you were younger. And of course, 
listening. I don't know if that came from your parents, you know, if some of those. What kind of music did they listen to? And did you rebel against that or did you pick up on that? Well, it's interesting because it's still ever evolving. Um, my dad was really more, I mean, he liked jazz. That was probably um, something that he liked a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. So I would have heard Coltrane and um, uh, my mother was more into uh, soundtracks for like Oklahoma and big band. So her, that's still, I guess, technically jazz, but more swing era. Um, uh, but my, we also had current things like the Beatles and Peter, Paul and Mary and, um, Joan Baez, mm -hmm. uh, Tijuana Brass, okay. you know, there was, yeah. a, it was a very eclectic thing. I, and the singing nun, you know, <laughs> the singing nun. Dominique. Dominique. Dominique is so malade. And, and I, that was probably came out when I was like four and I loved it. And now I'm listening again to vinyl. I unfortunately had gotten rid of much of my own, but I have accumulated some. And now I'm, oh, and crooners like, you know, Harry Belafonte, Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I now I'm re-listening to like, you know, Dionne Warwick and uh, Harry Belafonte and, you know, Nelson Riddle's best uh, arrangements. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's a very, I have a very broad sort of base of interest yeah. now when I was probably 12 or 13 and I was then listening to the radio I think I had my transistor radio some of you kids won't know what that means but that it was a little yeah. portable thing we could carry around <laughs> amazing. and I would listen to stuff that was a little more edgy more rock but I, I was always drawn to things like yes and then later to like bands called like Rush and Genesis, but when it was more like Trick of the Tail, and um, but loved Judy Collins. Mm -hmm. You know, I sang a lot of her stuff. Um, there was something about the purity of her voice that I appreciated. And my grandmother was a great harmony singer, and she and she loved the Beatles because of the harmonies. And so, probably once a week, my grandmother, my mom, uh, my sisters, maybe some other people, and I would sit around and play music and sing songs.
Okay, we're speaking with Jenai Huff, and she's uh, up here today from Saugerties, New York, and and Jenai has a new album uh, that will be coming out the mid-June, I guess? Well, actually, uh, the CD will be done probably in about three weeks. I just finished uploading the artwork. Karen Hudson, who's a fellow musician and a dear friend, actually designed it. It's lovely. Um, the I'm pressing vinyl, which I'm super excited about. I just got to listen to the test presses, but those will be another eight to 10 weeks. But I'll, I'll have the physical CDs probably in about two and a half weeks. But the CD release is June 27th. What is this vinyl thing all of a sudden these days? It seems everybody's putting out vinyl. What's the reason for the vinyl? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've, I mean, I've had my stereo, some of it, since I was in college. And at that point, I still was listening to vinyl. That was my primary way of listening. And like, you know, maybe a James Taylor album I went through twice or Joni Mitchell or something, because I would just keep listening and listening (laughs) until I had to replace it. Um, And it was an experience. You know, you sat and you listened at least to one whole side usually. And my feeling is that that's what's missing and that people are appreciating uh, an experience Mm -hmm. where... Um, you know, things get shuffled. I mean, we have music and a lot of times music is much more, has become more background music than when we're focusing on lyrics. When, when I used to sit for an album, you know, you sat down, maybe you'd walk around, but you, it was what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just like Kindle, everybody assumed all books would be gone and you know, well, Barnes and Noble is pretty booming Mm -hmm. and they have, for example, almost all vinyl in their music section. Um, I think I really wanted to hear myself on vinyl because really those were all of my early impressions. Um, And given my age, vinyl was there until really my college years. Um, Does this mean people have to go out and buy... (laughs) Turn record plays again turntables well they're you because know, i got I, I i don't have mine anymore well, I, I do have a one of those uh, uh multi-purpose cd player turntable kind of thing right. but well, i don't I yeah don't i mean i did 
because my other one really didn't work. And I, I got one actually by a company called U-Turn, which was reasonably priced, but they're handmade out of Boston. And when I got my test presses, I literally got them day before yesterday. And I was waiting to leave the city because that is my sort of my primary location to drive up to where I have my turntable. And I put the first one on and um, I was excited, but I had no idea what I would actually feel. Mm-hmm. And first, uh, you have to have a master differently. They want you to take off a lot of compression, and I didn't know why, and it's because somehow the process brightens it, but it also makes the sound fatter. So okay. even though I listen to these digital wave files on a CD that are part of this vinyl, that's not how they felt when they came out. Really? And now, that's what a lot of people say, that the, the sound is... It's uh, very different, Yeah. and I didn't realize it and I and then I ended up having kind of one of those weird otherworldly experiences where I was listening and it didn't feel like I was listening to myself I felt like I was flashed back as a kid listening to some other artist that would have moved me and then of course I burst into tears and was glad I was by myself in my little blubbering world Felt like a real musician. Oh my God, I'm on vinyl. I'm real. (laughs) (laughs) That is interesting, yeah. A lot of the jazz stuff is being um, repressed. So, uh, like, I have a new John Coltrane, a new Wes Montgomery album of something I would have had before because they're recognizing the, um, the market for it, and so they're out repressing. Now... United States got rid of most of their ability to make vinyl, so mine are being made in Holland. Oh. Is that pretty fairly common? Or um, Well, there's not very many places that can make them. Um, Jesse Terry, who's a, another great musician, yeah, I, know Jesse. Uh, I asked him where he got his done because I knew he'd done a lot of research, and he gave me two or three names. And the contact place is in, is in Virginia, but they're actually made in... Um, in Holland, so 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 talk about this new album, the yeah, whole experience. The whole experience. Yeah. All right. Well, it was different. The first two CDs. Um, the first one I didn't even know I was making a CD. Really, I was recovering from a, the most grief I've ever experienced with my mother's death, and our business had almost failed. It was just, and I just knew I needed to do something different with my life. And Ben Wish, who's a phenomenal producer um, and a good friend started working with me and I just started recording a few songs here and there. Some were my ex-husband's songs. Um, almost all were singer-songwriters. And by August, all of a sudden, I had enough material for a CD. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I guess I'm releasing a CD. <laughs> and um, and then Grace and... But those were not my originals. And then Grace and Elbow Grease, I started to write and I... I knew I wanted to release something that was that was me, you know, all the words and the sounds. So I did an EP, and that was released at the end of 2013. Mm-hmm. But in all of those, even though I had very some very close friends that I worked with, those were the traditional way of recording, where you know the par- parts are laid down, you go and you do your vocals and your comping and. Um, I was a, an auto tuner, but at the same time, you're, still there's there's, um, I don't know, it's it's like, probably like doing a movie versus a play. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, I've been working with this man, George Naha, who uh, was my 
music uh, guitar teacher. Now he's become almost more my coach and dear friend, and we're writing together. Um, so these songs, although I, I write really the bulk of them and I write all the lyrics, um, about 25%, it could be the bridge or whatever George would have inspired. And I wanted to bring George into the world of Ben Wish and Eugene Ruffalo, who were my two closest buddies, um, and have us all work together live. And so the four of us actually recorded in a living in Ben's living room. Uh, some of them with no cans on and no click. And now this is backwards because we then added drums and bass after, and usually got the rhythm section together. But we would work out the arrangements and then just sing in a room. And it was super scary and super exciting for me because basically you get what you get. Because we had, were bleeding. I, there was no isolation. I was not in another room. So my vocals were going to be my vocals. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it was really fun. And I feel like there's an aliveness to it because of that. Okay. You know? And the name of this album is Color Wheel. Color Wheel. And uh, the uh, first track on it is Color Wheel. Is there a story behind that? Well, um, it's actually written for George Naha, who was my teacher. Um, but for me, music is, it's, just, it's a, it's almost, it's, I might be even almost my spiritual path, or it's definitely a good part of it. And I've had some profound experiences while playing. And I've had the experience where music and colors are the same. And I've even thought that, you know, if somebody knew how they could take a painting and if they knew what those colors meant, they could play the song that the painting was or vice versa. If you took a song, you could paint it. And so I've had that idea for a long time and, and Color Wheel in essence kind of addresses that. So it addresses a, a teacher and then in a way how he's helped open that doorway to more and more of that experience and that being more real for me too. Speak. 
there's two covers on it, by the way, which um, one is called Old Man, and it's not Old Man by Neil Young. It was Old Man by the band Love. I was wondering, I, when I first saw Old Man, I, I did play it, and I wonder if this is the uh, yeah, cover. Yeah, no. And, um, and then uh, I did uh, my version of What's Going On, Marvin Gaye's tune. Okay.
So that would be those though that one in particular was fun because it was so out of my my wheelhouse um you know R&B is clearly not everywhere I sang or focused and you know a few weeks before the <laughs> a few weeks before we were recording I was a bad karaoke version of it but then eventually I, the song kept calling to me basically that's what happens with songs they like gnaw at me I don't write tons of songs a song will just not go away 
Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't go away, then once it starts finding its words, then I know I'll end up recording it. So I don't have th- songs that are thrown away. They just either never make it, you know, they start and they just sputter out. But if they get to the point where they have lyrics, then they're a done song. Um, the hardest song I've ever written in my life was called Open Open Wide. And it started out originally going to be called Wired Differently. And a dear friend had a daughter who was troubled. I never really came up with exact diagnosis, manic depressive, you know, uh, maybe Asperger's. But there was a lot of tension in the house. And she was, you know, sort of always assaulted by her senses. And and for some reason, I was drawn to her. And I, like, I got pictures of her. And I... Like heard more of her stories and I heard the things she wrote and probably for three years almost maybe two years it just wouldn't completely go away but uh, and I knew I needed to record it and the and I had one tune that I thought it was gonna be and then it wasn't just forming and I put myself in lockdown for like three days and like no booze no nothing and just played and played and then it took a complete like left turn and became open open wide because I I didn't want to write about the pain I figured there had to be some flip side to if you're gonna suffer so much pain there's got to be some benefit and it was like so this addresses like the bursting out and through. So so that was the hardest one to write. So in a way, I'm kind of, in some ways, proudest of that. But now it's time. I had to say goodbye to my parents' house that we I had my first birthday in, and my parents are both dead. And it was time to get rid of it. I live on this coast, and but, you know, we had had to sell all the furniture and you know well we actually didn't sell any of the furniture all the kids grandkids took it but we had to sell the house and that was hard and Mm. I remember walking through it's just my sister and I and we (laughs) was like two little chairs left and a little table everything the whole house had been empty grandkids had come it was that was really sweet and uh, it was like I started hearing like almost voices it was like the walls were talking and I could almost see like old experiences happening
and I'll, t- I'll tell you something that I find fascinating and I still it still tilts my head because you know I'm in my mid 50s I'm, I'm a woman in my mid 50s and a large base of my fans are like in their 20s who and they're like rappers and you know I just got a personal message from somebody who's a metalhead who listened to Color Wheel and he said it's one of the most exquisite pieces of music I've ever heard it made me bleed a little please don't tell my metalhead friends oh how funny and it's like I just think really (laughs) really like what do we have in common you know (laughs) I've had people do you want is it okay if I like started adding beats to your songs I'm thinking really (laughs) okay you know like who am i to say it's interesting because i had the idea of soul music the other day like maybe why some people like my music that is seemingly apparently different is i do feel it comes from my soul and i'm like expressing that and uh you know folk used to tell stories and they would tell stories of conflicts they would tell stories of life and if you listen to a lot of the rapper stuff i mean not some of the like i don't know Mm. heinous stuff and there's some but a lot of it is poetry yeah you know a lot of it's telling what's going on of the age so maybe that you know when we sort of strip away the sounds and the beats and all that it's just people telling earnest stories about how they feel, and maybe that's what we're resonating to, less so than the style. Maybe it's more appropriate to call that folk music these days. Because, it is, really. Because it is, it is telling the story of what's going on uh, in this, you know, within this generation. So right. maybe that is the folk music who knows uh there are my bigger twitter followers than anybody else (laughs) there you go okey now did you want to play another tune sure i would love to uh this was uh from grace and elbow grace and it's the title track of that and uh, where i for some of you who may not know what the word elbow grease is oh i know uh, i know i know you would know <laughs> but six fun my my uh, my mother and my grandmother regularly told me that i didn't put enough elbow grease into things like oh i can't get it clean put some elbow grease into it and it was basically a term for putting more effort in and i'm sure there's a real reason for the grease you know you probably someday somewhere people got you know, grease on their elbows meant they worked hard or something. Um, and I think getting through life really is a combination of grace, you know, having circ- some circumstances at least move in your favor and then, and then working hard. And for sure as a musician, it's definitely a combination of those two things. And when I was deciding to leave from California to New York, uh, that that's what this song came from. Okay. Got a head full of dreams 
Yes, Janai Huff right here on Mostly Folk, live in this studio. <clears throat> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, hey. It's a pleasure. I, I love having people here because uh, it gets lonely up here in these hills. <laughs> you are out here, but it's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, we've become almost hermits, actually. <laughs> and uh, now that I have my studio, I have, you know, I have my man cave. You have your man cave. It's a lovely so I man can, cave. I can escape here. Uh, Rain can be in the house playing her cello, practicing her cello, and uh, I'm out here doing programs. So uh, it, it's lots of fun, and I always appreciate when people uh, do come by. So you know, thank you for coming by. I really appreciate it. Once again, I'm here with Jenai Huff, and uh, Jenai has a new album coming out called Color Wheel that will be available June, sometime yeah, in June? End of June, or the end of uh, May. It'll okay. be available the end of May. Okay, so why don't you do another live tune for us? All right, this is actually off my previous um, CD called Grace and Elbow Grace. There was a bit of a theme because I made a major transition in my life. And 
Uh, this song is called Come Home. Uh, for me, actually, had I'd say more of a spiritual connection, but it was but but be, for me, music is that. So it was leaving business, which had become so much of my preoccupied life. You know, get banking bills paid, and and I was good at it. Um, but to come home to more my inner life, and um, which music is a, is a big part of that. And so this song is called come home and it's okay. the third track on um on uh, uh grace and grace album, grace. album. <laughs> i have not, not played this album. one <laughs> <laughs> all right
Mm, beautiful tune. Thank you. Uh, so melancholy. Uh, <laughs> you seem to um, tend toward the melancholy, I would say, more than uh, upbeat kinds mm. of uh, <laughs> clap your hand kinds of tunes. Uh, is there any particular, uh, I mean, have you ever noticed that? Well, it's interesting because, you know, you see all my pictures and I have this big bright <laughs> smile on my face all the time. And it's like, hmm, there seems to be some disconnect here. Uh, I mean, I think in the, the that particular song or that particular album, you know, I was going through some really major transitions in my life. I uprooted myself and moved to California. My mother had died. Business almost failed. I was getting a divorce. But... You know, even without that, you know, I think the older you get, in particular, you know that life is a combination of things. And it's sweet, bitter, and it's also, like, when it's great, it's sweet, it's bittersweet, and it's sweet, bitter. Mm-hmm. And and there's always cost, no matter what, you know. You get your big dream come true, and then you find out you have no time for your family. You get, you know, there's always both things kind of going on at the same time yeah and so i think you know and the comments i get from most people is they uh they feel like soothed they feel like they have somebody who can relate to maybe what's going on in their life you know and i mean how many of us at our age dropped a lot of dreams Mm -hmm. you know and some for good reasons you're raising your family and you know those should be your priority if you've got these little ones that are you responsible for but then it's like how do you allow yourself to circle back and maybe pick up a few of those stitches where it makes sense so yeah yeah Yeah. really really interesting uh, concept but um what do you see for uh, you know, as you say, you, you're not a young person starting out. What What are some of the you're obstacles kind. That, for those for those young people that are starting out? What kind of obstacles do you see them facing that you may even be facing right now, uh, but they're definitely going to be facing? What do you see for them? Well, you know, I mean, this is so, such a, I wish it wasn't the most obvious thing, but to make money in this industry is almost impossible. And everybody wants the beautifully produced album, you know, and I have that. And I have some very, very, very close friends and I get the cis rate um, who help me produce that beautiful music that people want to hear um, but it still costs money mm-hmm. and you know if you've got bar gigs you know you get a hundred bucks or get past the hat you know heck to cross the George Washington Bridge it's fifteen dollars you know so <laughs> you get a hundred bucks you'd have the tolls the to travel and let's see you're only out five dollars for the night <laughs> Especially if you have a group with you. Think about that. You know, which I think is why house concerts became so popular. Because, for one, the setting was comfortable and it was easy and you get to talk to people. And so it's a little more maybe the way basic music used to be, where it was a little easier to share. So I, I think, though, if it's in you, you just have to do it. You know, like I have new songs now that like I call they're in the, what I call the annoying phase where they just won't leave me alone they wake me up in the middle of the night 
I can't like get get them out of my head. And so it's like, okay, okay, I'm in my early labor pains. <laughs> so if you have it, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, but how to uh, how to manage that and a life that you're probably going to have to maintain to support your music, I think, is a challenge for. It's not. It's not just a challenge for young people. I know some very successful musicians who did very well in the heyday yeah. you know in new york city and everything's changed yeah you know it is so incredibly tough to make a living to survive it. so it is a labor of love more than anything else i would think for so many people right i don't know anyone who um is so disillusioned to think that they're going to become a household name down the road. And, um, you know, especially in this genre, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's so difficult to make a living. I mean, I, honestly, a break-even, I'm like happy as can be on a, on a break-even gig. I'm, I'm, I'm like so excited I can hardly stand it. Yeah. Now, and I was... I mean, in, in a way, because I entered late, I, I'm fortunate I was in business, you know, so I have a retirement that when I want to do a CD, you know, I can suck some money out and do it. Although now I'm <laughs> now I'm kind of going, well, I, I, I need to figure out, out a way to have some things compensated. But like these videos that are coming out are extraordinary. And that's because somebody ch chose, he liked my music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... I also think if you just keep doing what moves you and and just keep taking the steps that oftentimes whether and we have no idea why and you know I call it grace like intercedes on our behalf and it may even draw you in a different direction you know like I have no idea what these videos which are almost more like movies will do or open up potentially you know and he's more in the movie thing so you know I mean, I guess from a financial standpoint, maybe a song could get placed. Mm -hmm. About the only place you could make money. Mm -hmm. But but I'm more like, I don't want to have a fixed idea of where it's going. It's, you know, one of them, because it deals with racism, you know, could draw me more into a political arena that I almost always have avoided. <laughs> but, you know, heck, why not? Who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that... Um, We've spoken about a lot of things. We have. Thank and you. Is there anything that I've missed that you want to mention? No. I just want to thank you again for having me up here. It's delightful. The uh, the environment is so soothing. Mm -hmm. and thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. I enjoy it, and I have certainly enjoyed having you here on Mostly Folk. And uh, don't forget, in summary. Uh, Janai Huff's website is Janai, uh, J-E-N-A-I-H-U-F-F, uh, -F music, yeah, music, yeah. music.com, right? Yeah. And uh, that's where you'll find out all about her music, the new album that's coming out, and eventually she'll, I'm sure you'll be able to see those uh, videos that yes. have uh, been uh, recorded already and being edited right now as we speak. So 
The album, the new album, Color Wheel, will be available in June, and uh, probably uh, you'll be listening to this podcast uh, sometime at the beginning of June. And (laughs) so uh, that'll lead right into uh, Jenna's uh, uh, CD release party. CD release party, yeah. Hey, Jenna, thank you so much for coming up today, uh, for taking the drive and uh, in the pouring rain. And uh, I certainly enjoyed having you here. Me too. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Cradled in my arms, so tiny as can be, my precious baby boy lying next to me, and the world fell away. And everything was us, my baby boy and me. When I looked in his eyes and he looked back at me, time stood still in that moment I was free. Till I held him close
from her new album Color Wheel, which will be released this month. That was Jenai Huff. And I do want to thank Jenai for coming up here today and sharing this podcast with all of you and wish her great success with this new album. Now, don't forget that if you want to find out the track names of all of the songs that we played today, you can go to mostlyfolk.org and not only find the track names for this episode, but also subscribe to Mostly Folk so you never miss another episode. There's lots of links there, different ways that you can subscribe. You can subscribe through iTunes. You can follow me on Mixcloud. But go to mostlyfolk.org and check the links because that's the place to find all of the information. And don't forget Jenna's website. We already talked about that. And check her out. And these new videos that will be coming out, we'll see where they go. And I want to thank you, the listener, for joining me today and hope you have a terrific day and certainly hope that you join me for the very next episode of Mostly Folk. Smiling until then Who cares about the clouds when we're together?